Hi everyone, Andile Masugu here. Welcome back to the Unajua Learning Series. This is where we present crowdsourced minimum actionable responses to important questions in 15 minutes or less. This episode features part two of the three-part mini-series unpacking the question, is the African technology ecosystem at an inflection point? It's presented by Nigerian analyst and researcher Darren Adebayo. But before we get stuck in, as promised, here's a quick update about one of the exciting things we'll be doing to grow the impact of the African Tech Roundup platform. Now, last Friday, we published a press release on our website announcing the fact that African Tech Roundup is partnering with SocialStack to launch a social token on the Celo blockchain to drive community engagement. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, just head to africantechroundup.com to read the press release and then uh, heads up uh, on Wednesday, the 16th of June, 2021. That's Youth Day in South Africa, a public holiday here. We'll be publishing a special social token launch podcast with uh, more information about how the African Tech Roundup token works. Now, I'll be chopping it up with SocialStack co-founder and CEO Andrew Berkowitz. Uh, it's definitely one not to miss. Can't wait to share Exciting times to be sure. And now back to the business at hand, folks. Uh, rumor has it that from the tender age of 10, Darren Adebayo started dreaming about being a venture capitalist. What, this was after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad or some other equally sketchy personal finance book. And what do you know? Here he is working in the space today. Ah, uh, isn't life precious? Is the African technology ecosystem at an inflection point? Well, that's the question Darren will be factoring in on in today's minimum actionable response. Darren shares what he reckons the founders of Africa's first generation of internet startups have learned. And then he'll suggest what lessons might be gleaned from other emerging markets. I think the first thing African founders have learned is that a digital layer alone is not enough. The promise of the internet is immense distribution. It's just opportunity to reach everyone who, I guess, has access to the internet. And so the initial inclination then would be, okay, let's take everything offline and let's put it online and then we can sell to all the people on the internet. What we quickly found out was that if the industry offline has challenges in the value chain, then you can't just layer on a digital, a digital product on top of that and then use that to scale. And so I guess the easiest way to understand this is just to look at so, some of the companies from that, that first generation. One example I like to use is the first iteration of Rico TV, which was Nollywood Love. And that was essentially Jason and Jock with the founder taking Nollywood films and putting them online, literally just, you know, putting them on YouTube. And that was him trying to take an offline industry and, you know, bring it online. And he, he definitely acquired customers. He definitely built an audience, but I believe he struggled to scale that business because Nollywood itself had fundamental challenges. And if you look at how far he's come building that business into Iroko TV today, which is by volume, probably the largest producer of Nollywood films on the country. What he's done is he's built a platform where if you're a filmmaker, he's going to give you finance, but he's also going to give you expertise, talent, legal support, everything you need to build a film. And then he's going to put it on his distribution platform, which is Eurocode TV, the app. And then you sell it to, to all his customers. And so what, what we're finding is that where the, the industry has a broken value chain, you often have to fix it 
before you then layer on the digital layer and you know use the internet to distribute. Another example which which I like to use is um, AutoCheck, which is Itopikpe's the second iteration again of Itopikpe's um, company. And the first iteration was was Cars Forty Five, and that was you know a simple used car marketplace place. So you come there and you you know you buy a car, you sell a car, you know matching buyers and sellers together using the internet, and then you look at AutoCheck today which is a platform for used cars. And so you come to AutoCheck today and he provides financing, then he sells you the car, then he provides insurance, and then he provides after-sales support through his network of, um, of maintenance outlets. And all of those things are important because the value chain is, is, is challenged, right? And so if he didn't have that network of maintenance outlets, he wouldn't be able to insure the car. And if he wasn't able to insure the car, he won't be able to finance the car. And if he wasn't able to finance the car, he won't be able to sell you the car. And so you can see how, you know, he's building all the building blocks necessary in order to sell a car online. And so while the goal is to sell a car online, he has to go back and, you know, build financing capabilities, build insurance and build a network of after-sales support. The biggest difference between the first generation of technology companies and the second generation in Africa is that we're moving from marketplaces to platforms. And so if you think of the, the businesses that were started five to 10 years ago, you see Hotels NG, you see um, Toilet, and you see all these companies that were taking hotels online, taking apartments online, taking movies online. And there was a company taking everything online, which was, you know, literally called everything.ng. And, you know, we've moved from those companies to this generation of platforms where you look at a company like Cobo 360, which is a trucking platform because, you know, they provide insurance, they provide financing, they provide analytics on, on trip history. You look at Cobo 360. Oh, um, the second time Darren said Cobo 360, he actually meant to say Trade Depot. Which is selling products to retailers, but it's also providing them insurance. It's also providing them financing. It's also providing them data. And you see that across multiple industries that we're now building these platforms. And I think that's the biggest difference between the first generation of companies and the second generation. And it's funny because it's a change that you see happening across different ecosystems, which sort of you know, brings me to the second question, which is what can we learn from other emerging markets? And the way I like to think about it is the internet's enabled distribution, but the extent to which you're able to leverage that distribution depends on what you're trying to distribute. And so, you know, you could be trying to distribute information, you could be trying to distribute money, or you could be trying to distribute physical things. So that's either things or, you know, people. And a way to think about this is, you know, look at Google. Google is a search engine and it's trying to distribute information. At the very basic level, it's trying to distribute information. And it can do that to every country in the world from its headquarters in in US. If Google wanted to accept payments, which it does for its for its ad business, it would need to integrate with a bunch of regional players because different regions have different payments service providers that are dominant and have different payment systems. If Google wanted to go a step further and allow you to say order a product and have it delivered to your house, it would need to integrate with a bunch of local delivery partners in each ecosystem in which it operates. And you know, the reason is because information moves pretty freely. Money moves relatively freely, but is hindered by the banking regulations and the and, and the legal system in each country. And then physical objects are just hard to move because, well, you know, they're, they're, they're physical objects. Bringing that back to, you know, what you can learn from other markets, what's most likely going to happen and what is already happening is that businesses that are just purely distributing information are going to be centralized. So there will sort of be one global winner because there's one Google, there's one Facebook, 
There is one Snapchat. There is one insert software business. You see most of those companies emerging from Silicon Valley. A handful of them emerging from other developed hubs, you know, Spotify, Skype, UiPath. But the majority of them will come from these markets that have, you know, the most access to finance, the best talent, the best educational system. Now, when it comes to the payments businesses, you're likely to see regional winners because each region sort of has its own unique, you know, banking system, financial history, financial inclusion levels, regulation. And so that's why you see Stripe in US, but you also see ADN, you'd also see Checkout, you'd also see D-Local in Latin America, you see Flutterwave in Africa, you see Razorpay in India. And what's fascinating about these businesses, these sort of regional businesses, is that they are likely to come out of the central hubs of those regions. And so in each region, the country that sort of, you know, has the largest economy, the largest population is probably where you would see the regional winner in that space. And that's why, you know, you have Flutterwave in Nigeria, you'd have similar companies in Brazil, in India, in Indonesia, which are sort of regional hubs. Now for businesses that are moving physical things, whether that's things or that's people, you're likely to see more local winners. Again, because, you know, moving things is just hard. And that's why there's probably a used cars marketplace in every market. You know, we have Cars 45, Auto Check in Nigeria. We have Caro and Carsom in, in Southeast Asia. We have a bunch of others. We have Kavak in Latin America. We have a bunch of others. We have players in US. And it's the same thing even with e-commerce where, you know, Amazon is dominant in US, but you also sort of have players in different countries that are dominating, say, one or two countries because again, that's not a business that easily scales across because you have to build, build the logistics. And so as someone operating an emerging market, you can sort of look across other emerging markets to understand what types of businesses are possible in that environment, given levels of income, given availability of capital, given talents, given the unique craziness that is in a city like Lagos or a city like Jakarta. And you look to other emerging markets, you understand what types of businesses are possible you understand how those business models will evolve. You understand how they sort of have to adapt. You understand what unit economics makes sense, what metrics look like, how to evaluate those models, what types of fundraisers make sense. And you can learn all those things from the different markets. And, you know, the people who are taking the best advantage of this is, is ironically the VCs, because you see many VCs that just see a business model that works somewhere and then just invest in that same business model across all their markets. And so take Sequoia, for example, invested in Rappi in, in um, Latin America, invested in Meituan Dianping in China, invested in DoorDash and Instacart in US, invested in Zomato in India, invested in, in um, Gojek in, in Southeast Asia. And so, you know, when you look at all these markets, you see similar business models, you see the businesses evolve in different ways and you see sort of the same kinds of companies backing those businesses. Now, what you can't learn from other markets is the adaptations you need to make to take advantage of your own unique country. And so, you know, everybody likes to say Nigeria is a very different market. Brazil is a very different market. And there's some truth to that statement. The adaptations that you need to make to, to sort of adjust the product for your market, you can't learn from other markets. But um, I always push back on the X market is very different because... Every country says that, but, you know, we have Coca-Cola in every country and we have banks in every country and, you know, all the banks in every country, they sort of operate very similar. And so I'd say lots to learn from other emerging markets about the kinds of businesses that would emerge in those markets, no pun intended, and how they would evolve. 
And then what you can't learn is how to, you know, adapt it for the, the handful of things that differ in your own market. On the next installment of this Unajua series themed, Is the African Technology Ecosystem at an Inflection Point?, Darren will give his take on the various types of venture capital flowing into our ecosystem. He'll also explain the roles that local and international investors are playing in the space. But this is where you get involved. Uh, Just go ahead and click on the Unajua tab on africantechroundup.com. You'll find it in our menu bar. And leave us a 60-second voice note with your reaction to this episode. Or you can tweet us using the hashtag Unajua series or leave us a DM on Twitter at African Roundup. That said, we'd especially love it if you left us a voice note, because that way we can scale your views on a future podcast. So again, to do that, just head to africantechroundup.com, click on the Unajua tab in the menu bar, and do the thing. 60 seconds. All right. One last thing, fam. We are currently pushing to enlist our first 1,000 premium members. Yes, that's right. Your support will allow us to spend less of our team's precious bandwidth on sourcing podcast advertisers and content sponsorships and a lot more on publishing great content like this. So to become a premium member and support the work we do, go ahead and click on the Patreon tab on our website. All right, that's it. Till next time, do take care.